0: Are there pavenders? <laughs>
1: there are There are peacocks and pies and pavenders.
0: <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter three of The Silver Chair. This chapter is titled, The Sailing of the King. I am Uranus, little fawn, ear trumpet carrier of the regent, the Lord Trumpkin, (laughs) also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host
1: i'm an uncommonly grubby little man cub
0: (laughs) welcome
1: also known as chris
0: hi chris (laughs) i don't think that you are uncommonly grubby i think you're perfectly commonly grubby
1: thank you (laughs) (laughs) appreciate that anyway hi how are you doing
0: i'm doing well
1: Welcome to the chapter.
0: Yes, this is the chapter in which Jill and Eustace fight. Oh, yeah. And then they talk to somebody, and then they fight, and then they eat.
1: Yeah, this is really big Polly and vibes in this one.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Such much fighting.
1: And uh, Erebus, yeah. Cora and Erebus. Yeah. You know, they liked fighting so much that they got married eventually.
0: Oh, yeah. To do it more conveniently. Yep.
1: <clears throat> do Eustace and Jill get married eventually? I don't know. She could be Jill's scrub. Her name is Cole. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so we got a we got a chapter here. How do we usually start talking about these things, Kristen? Well, we usually banter. Mm-hmm. Banter, banter, banter.
0: I mean, like that's why we got married, so uh-huh. we could fight more conveniently.
1: Uh-huh. Totally.
0: Yep. <laughs> when we start <laughs> yeah. these uh, episodes, we will, in fact, do a summary. And for our summaries. As we are reading through the chapters, we select five sentences out of the chapter and try to retell the whole story of the chapter in its own words mm-hmm. with just five sentences. Yeah. So, Chris, would you like to read us your summary first? Sure.
1: I was able to do mine in very short sentences this time. Look how compact this is. Wow. So One page even. <laughs> I know. So here is my summary of this chapter. The gangplank was laid to her, and at the foot of it, just ready to go on board, stood an old old man. At that moment, Aslan and the signs rushed back into her mind. We were sent here by Aslan, said Eustace in a low voice. The dwarf glanced quickly up at them with a new expression in his eyes. So you see, she wound up, you did see an old friend, just as Aslan said, and you ought to have gone and spoken to him at once.
0: Hmm. There you go. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So here's my, uh, I have two different summaries.
1: Kristen. I have my
0: five-sentence summary, and I have my one-sentence summary. Okay.
1: That's like you're breaking the rules here, but I suppose we could do that.
0: Okay, so first, first, let me do my one-sentence summary. Okay. It was the castle bell ringing for supper, and thus what looked like turning into a first-rate quarrel was happily cut short. Good job. It just summarizes all of the fighting that happens in this chapter, that there was castle bell, and that there was food. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. That's the whole chapter. But if I have to do it in five sentences, I'll do it like this. He said the very first person you saw in Narnia would be an old friend, and you'd got to speak to him at once. Caspian the Tenth, said the owl. Don't say anything about the lost prince. If the good king, my poor master, had not this very hour set sail for the seven isles, he would have been glad of your coming. Supper in the great hall of the castle was the most splendid thing either of them had ever seen, for though Eustace had been in that world before, he had spent his whole visit at sea and knew nothing of the glory and courtesy of the Narnians at home in their own land. Cool,
1: solid. Yep. So this is a weird chapter, um, and this chapter kind of exemplifies what I don't like about Lewis's writing. <laughs> and that,
0: well, let's just read the second sentence of this chapter, shall we? Okay. You ready? Yep. Sure. I had better describe them at once. Mm-hmm. That is that is the second second sentence
1: in yep. this chapter. He'd better. This Um, is
0: why they felt so grubby. It was because their environment was so beautiful. I'd better describe it at once.
1: Better do it. Um, But yeah, this is what I don't like about Lewis's writing style. In that (sighs) reading a book, uh, or a fiction book at least by Lewis, is like going on a hike with a really avid bird watcher. When you don't really care about birds at all. Yeah. And you're like, you're going on a hike and you're trying to get somewhere and you have a destination in mind and you have this guy with you who every five minutes wants to stop and get out his binoculars and be like, what, is that a, is that a gold crested titmouse? Let me, let me get my notes out. And is makes that you, a bird? Maybe. I think it is. Yeah. So anyway, it's like, it's, it's, it's like doing that when you're just like, cool, glad you're having fun. Also trying to get somewhere. And we're stopping every five minutes to identify birds.
0: Oh yeah, gotta stop and, to identify birds.
1: And, and 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 in that way, like, Lewis, like, on paper understands the concept of, like, the structure of a plot and, like, rising action and, like, climax and whatnot. But in the middle of the rising action, he'll write a chapter like this, where three quarters of the chapter, at least, is, you know, split between comic relief at an old dwarf who can't hear properly and a fight between two children that goes nowhere
0: well two fights <laughs> i mean there's two different fights that happen yes so we have and like an an exhaustive paragraph describing the supper that they eat
1: yes and like we had to we had we had two chapters to start off the book where we're like oh hey where's there's plot development but here we got to pause and we got to admire the food and, you know, let's laugh at Trumpkin let, in his old age.
0: <laughs> As those of us who, like, have seen Trumpkin in his prime. Uh-huh. And uh, for those of us who have seen Trumpkin in his prime, this is this is kind of, like, a bummer chapter. Like, you're, they're using it for comic relief and stuff, but...
1: It is. So, uh what happens is, they arrive. Hey, we've confirmed they're at Caraparaville. There's a big crowd, like castles and all its splendor there's a big ship out and there's somebody getting on the ship and it's an old old man yep looks like a puff of wind could just blow him right over yep like super old and frail and he's getting on the ship and there's this big fanfare and he is
0: the people themselves look like flowers they do and Jill sees Narnians for the first time yeah only about one in what one in 5 one in 3 yeah. of the people present are humans if
1: if people was the right word yes <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she sees a bunch of Narnians in this crowd, and it's a, this very huge ceremony um, that apparently the king is leaving. And she sees uh, all these animals and whatnot who, like, just, you know, you can tell by the way they look that they're intelligent.
0: Also, the mouse, the mice are two feet tall now.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was, like, the established size of Reba Cheep.
0: I thought that he was the size of a terrier.
1: A terrier's about two feet long, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, this donkey is about the size of a big retriever, though.
0: Oh my goodness, the donkey. <laughs> okay, so I honestly, the sentence that describes Trumpkin's donkey carriage
1: mm-hmm.
0: did not use any words to indicate that it was a carriage. And I had to read that sentence like five times because it said there was a chair with wheels har- and a donkey harnessed to it. Uh-huh. Not that the chair was harnessed to a donkey,
1: yeah,
0: but that the donkey was harnessed to the chair. Yes. Which was really confusing <sighs> to me because I thought either the donkey was like tied up behind the chair to be like pulled along as if it were on a leash.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or that it was sitting on the chair and strapped down like we brought back Rabidash. Yeah. And I was really, really confused because then in the next sentence it says, and sitting on the chair was a dwarf. I'm like, well, is the dwarf holding on to like the leash of a donkey or is the dwarf and the donkey sitting on the chair? Is the dwarf sitting on the donkey on the chair with the wheels? Which is the first image that I built up in my head was like, hi, there's a chair with wheels and there's a donkey on it, Uh harnessed to it. And then there's a dwarf riding the donkey that's riding the wheelie chair. Mm -hmm. It was just really confusing. I thought I'd share how very confused i was i've read like, this before four... do you remember how like that someone was riding in a donkey chariot at any point in a in a book like is that something it's it's it is just his character introduction it's not like it's
1: a big plot point yeah
0: it's not a big plot point it's just a really confusing sentence
1: uh-huh so anyway we establish that's a thing that exists we see the crowd you're seeing the king off uh jill finds eustace again rushes up to him and it's just like ermagird have a message like quick quick if you see anybody you know you got to go say hi to him at once yes um then he
0: starts fighting with her and being mad at her and it's like yeah well you don't have anything to say to me
1: Uh uh-huh and typical
0: typical emotional male response
1: and there's (laughs) Uh uh-huh there's emotional men hey and there's this it is that is a very typical (laughs) response Anyway, so there's this whole exchange later where Jill gets really upset because they've messed up, like, the signs and, like, they should have done this thing and it didn't happen. But at the same time, like, the information Jill had was Aslan was like, hey, the first sign is that Eustace is going to run into an old friend in the city. He must greet the friend at once, etc., cetera, et cetera. Yeah. At no point does Eustace actually recognize anybody in this crowd.
0: Yes, but as you said... You wanted the signs to mean more than just the words. Yes. And he did see an old version of his friend. Yes. He saw an old friend.
1: Yes. Which it seems like the the, the time constraints here wouldn't, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not faulting Eustace for getting this one wrong because, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, he didn't recognize anybody, even if he immediately believes Jill...
0: Of course, you don't fault him. You're like the biggest Eustace apologist ever. <laughs> of course, you don't fault Eustace for anything.
1: Yeah. It, 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 even, let's say that Eustace believes her immediately. Yes. She's and she, like, no,
0: no, no. But like, let's just say that he believes she met Aslan. Yes. He's met Aslan. Yes. And he knows what that means and what that experience was for him. Uh-huh. That was the D Dragony. Yeah. Like, all he can care about right now is how met. Like, he goes, oh, well, of course you did. You know, like, you, you, you shoved me off the cliff, and now it's whatever. Like, and he is just so mad that he can't even get past that to be like, okay, what did Aslan say? And if if she, he had actually believed her and said, okay, the first person I saw was the king over there, mm-hmm. I have to go greet them. and uh, Maybe what? on my way there I'll find the person I think I know. Like, he should be on his way. He should be running. He should be rushing. Like, he knows who Aslan is.
1: Is that the wording of the sign, though? Does Aslan say the first person he sees?
0: That's what Jill says to him. Regardless of what the sign's actual wording was, what Jill says to him is the first person you see is.
1: Okay. Except we realize later he didn't even remember the first person he saw. It's Like, he doesn't actually know. Um, I mean, no, I, I, I can't fault Eustace for being upset here. You, like, you
0: can fault him for ignoring Aslan, though.
1: I suppose I can.
0: In the same way that you can fault all of the Pevensies for not listening to Lucy, the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. That's very true. So anyway, Jill rushes up to him. Find Eustace again be like, oh, hey, you got to find uh, this friend, etc., etc. It's a sign. And then, you know, Eustace writes her off and is just like, oh, yeah, well, I don't care. You shoved me off a, a cliff, so whatever. And they have this little spat. And there's this exchange where Jill says, thought you said you'd been here before, and Eustace says, well, you thought wrong then. About, like,
0: well, he hasn't... referring to Narnia. Yeah.
1: And he's basically being like, oh no, I didn't say that.
0: He didn't. He said that he had been to a place,
1: he, another which, world. Which he knew was Narnia.
0: No, he's never been to Narnia. He's been to a Narnian ship on this Discworld. He's never, ever been in Narnia proper. Okay. He landed in the water halfway to the Lone Island. I mean,
1: we're we're splitting hairs here, but yeah. But
0: it's what he's doing. So if you have a problem with me splitting hairs, then be mad at Eustace here because he's doing it just to be a jerk.
1: Yeah, just because there's fighting in this chapter doesn't mean we have to fight recording it to add a sense of realism.
0: You know what? <laughs> I like to give people the experience of reading the chapter because this is what it felt like to read the chapter.
1: Anyway, they have this little spat. The king gives a speech as he's departing that they can't hear, uh, bends down to the fat dwarf in the carriage and says something that they also can't hear. This is exciting plot
0: so exciting
1: uh king so many
0: things happening that we don't know about yep king we just know that they're happening
1: yep king gets aboard the boat boat casts off king is gone this
0: is some real big like fear of missing out mess right here
1: Uh (laughs) uh-huh so king leaves and then they get uh swooped on by a large white thing a kite that oh no oh turns out to be an owl
0: oh it's a white owl
1: a big white owl sleepy owl uh whose name is not hedwig
0: no, his name is Glimfeather, but we don't learn that for a little while.
1: Yeah. So a uh, Giant Owl approaches him and he just and it says To who To who Who are you? Who Who are you to? <laughs> to who?
0: To who <laughs> Who are you too? Uh huh. Yep.
1: Uh so an absent minded owl comes and approaches him.
0: Sleepy. Sleepy. Not absent minded. Yeah.
1: It's too early in the day for him. He it's just woke too up. Too
0: early in the day. Uh huh. I sympathize with Glenn Feather so much.
1: Uh-huh. And and like what like what is Glenn Feather's role here is like because I read it as him being like maybe a lookout or like a guard or something. But he's also and the
0: only one who was paying attention yes at all to the sky as they flew
1: in. Yeah, they flew in and he's like that's weird. I should probably speak to these people because that's, you know, there's definitely magic afoot. And they say, oh, yeah, Aslan sent us, and the owl just immediately believes them. Just like, yep, makes sense. I should take you to the regent right away. Which he, like, if the owl is acting in some sort of role as, like, a security personnel or something, like, I don't parable. think...
0: I think that he is just an observer, <laughs> and he's probably. probably a courtier. And probably. he just was the only one paying attention to the sky at that moment. Yeah. I don't think that he's meant to be a guard of any kind.
1: Uh, I don't know. I read him as being, like, a... Uh, I don't know.
0: I don't think that he was intentionally watching the sky for attacks.
1: <laughs> you never know when dwa- dragons are going to show up. Never know, Dwagons Um. So. <laughs> so anyway, he's like, "Oh well." Immediately, uh, if you've been sent by Aslan, we need to go take you to the 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 Regent. And they're like, "Who's the Regent?" Oh, that happens. That him yeah. over here, and, the- and this
0: is an example of how Eustace should have responded to Jill's s- having spoken to Aslan. Uh huh. Like, this is how people should be responding to Aslan. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I spoke to Aslan. He sent me. Let's go do this thing. Oh, yeah, of course he spoke to him. That's what Eustace did. What Glimfeather goes, then we need to get you to the regent immediately.
1: Well, Eustace has obviously been affected by, like, the thick, heavy air of Narnia that's clouding his mind. Um, <laughs> but anyway, who is the regent? It's Trumpkin Trump Trump the King. dwarf.
0: Yeah, the previous
1: regent. Irma Gerb. He's old now. We now have some sort of, like, time frame. Yep. Apparently this was just several decades after their last adventure into Narnia. Yep. And, uh, Trumpkin and, we can only assume, that's Caspian, both really old. So, Trumpkin's getting pulled around, and the owl's like, yep, gotta take him, uh, there. Well, yeah, there's also the line that Eustace is like, what's the king's name? And the owl says Caspian the Tenth, so, have established caspian's there
0: and that's when eustace gets really emotional
1: he does get really emotional
0: he almost looks like he might be sick
1: he has he has some issues with this i mean he's having a hard day like yeah he, he got thrown off a cliff he almost died sees an old friend who's like old and decrepit and like you know his facing his own mortality for the first time as it like an 11 year old yeah besides so. <laughs> having
0: been turned into a dragon and finding dead bodies in the bottom of rivers and
1: yeah i guess that's true too
0: stuff like that yeah Definitely the first time he's facing his own mortality.
1: So anyway, the owl brings them before the Regent Trumpkin. Yep. Uh, and then we have this fun, like, three-page exchange about how Trumpkin can't hear anything. Yep. And we don't really develop the plot at all. It's just the a girl series is of...
0: Jill. The girls have been
1: killed? <laughs> There's just a series of jokes about how he misinterprets what the owl is trying to tell him.
0: Killed by Who?
1: Uh, until, until you might Ernest... as well
0: tell him I'm Eustace.
1: Useless. Useless? <laughs>
0: Eustace. He's used to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I'm surprised the Eustace, useless joke wasn't made in, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader at all. Yeah. I'm, like, really shocked none of the crew did that, but there you go. So, then Ernest saves the day.
0: Yes. Who's just like. And, and well, Trumpkin calls for his ear horn. Yes.
1: Yeah. He's got to get an And the little
0: fawn is holding it, standing next to him. You know, we described how the, the chair has wheels and yep. is harnessed to the donkey and how there's a dwarf sitting on it and how the dwarf's bald head looks like a shining ball,
1: uh-huh. um,
0: how he's like cushioned up with pillows so that he doesn't look very uh, distinct. He just looks kind of like a blob. Uh-huh. We described all of these details about Trumpkin's presentation uh-huh. And just totally ignored the fact that there was a fawn standing next to him. Yep. Like, we... we.
1: I mean, they mentioned the fawns and, like, the centaurs being the courtiers and whatnot. And yes, like...
0: but, like, they didn't mention that there was a little fawn standing at the elbow of the regent as if he was his, like, errand boy or whatever.
1: He's unimportant. <sighs> but, but, like, I, I, I would like to point out um, that in a very literal sense, like, there's a fawn in the court... That has the ear of the king. Yes. So, like, this is a this is a thing. Like, is this you know, Fawns being right there in positions of subtle power?
0: Is this the influence of Tumnus? Yep.
1: This is a this is an order that's gone back thousands of years. Like, there you go. In The line of Fawns that are secretly controlling the state. Like, Ernest <laughs> is. Ernest is in the line of Tumnus.
0: If Ernest does not want you to the king to hear you, the regent to hear you.
1: Yeah. He's got a lot of power. Like he, that's a that's a position of influence right there. That is. Um,
0: he decides who is heard. Yep. Whether he knows it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. I, do, I, I, feel like that's so good that it almost has to be intentional, but I know it's not. <laughs> um. So anywho. Then Trump can his ear horn, and still doesn't actually realize who they are because like the the owl repeats everything and. Trumpkin doesn't respond in such a way being like, oh, my Eustace, you're back. Well, so Trumpkin still...
0: never met Eustace.
1: That's true, but he would have heard about him from Caspian. Yeah. Like.
0: But he's also old, maybe. He yeah. has forgotten.
1: Yeah, but uh, you would think Trumpkin would know who it was either way, but it's like, well, sorry you missed the king. He's off to the Seven Isles. Like, this seems like, you know, a farewell. Like, he's going off there to die or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like Eustace should have introduced himself. Like, I am... I am Eustace, my my mother's sister is the mother of the High King Peter, or something like that.
1: Uh-huh. He didn't think of that. But, uh, Trumpkin's like, oh, well, either way, like, King's gone, but I can still entertain you, and, like, if you have a message from Aslan, we should talk about it, but tomorrow, let's all get sleep and get food and, like, get clean because you're grubby little man cubs. And,
0: uh... And I don't care. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> about... That lion who threw me in the air that one time.
1: Nope. Yep. I mean, he, you know, he wants to, he wants a fresh start to the day. Like, it's been a heavy day already. Had to see the king off. Like, if-
0: but why? But why does Glimfeather say, like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit clearer now. Don't mention the lost prince.
1: That is a good question, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Like, why? Why does he? Why? Hmm.
1: Don't know. Like, we can go into a little bit on that, like, in a baseless speculation or something. But like, could be all sorts of reasons. Anyway, so Trumpkin's just like, yes, matters of state. We'll have to wait till f- for tomorrow. We'll discuss it then. Whispers to Glimfeather, not very successfully, being like, please make sure they get cleaned up because I don't like looking at them. They're too dirty. Seems really rude. <laughs> uh, and then he wanders off. The uh, the donkey waddles off because it's a very fat little donkey. Oh yeah. So I mean, we can we can accurately say that Trumpkin has a fat ass, and also. <laughs> Not not only that, but the donkey is dragging a wagon. <laughs> anyway, you don't have to leave that in if you don't want to. Just uh, just describing what I read in the book. Yep. So me Trump- too.
0: That was my whole description of my issue with the donkey pulling this chair. <laughs> yes. And you just stared at me the whole time I talked. About no, I, it, I, so. I no,
1: I got the I, I got the image you were trying to convey. Whatever. So, Anyway, Trumpkin wanders away. Al leads them off to wherever they're staying in the castle. Jill encounters a dryad, like, apparently a willow girl Mm -hmm. is gonna go take her and, you know, be like, hey, here's a bath, here's some clothes. They get all cleaned up. They get changed.
0: She's in a round tower room.
1: With a tub and a fireplace. It sounds very cozy. It does. And some windows that look out to, like, this amazingly beautiful sunset scene over the distant mountains and, like, she gets excited for this adventure. yeah. She's into it now.
0: Also, we've skipped over the fact that uh, Trumpkin mentions that they are a son of Adam and a daughter of Eve. Yeah. But that oh, yes. the uh, people at Experiment House don't know who Adam and Eve are.
1: Nope. It's uh, it's one of those modern schools that's not teaching the Bible. Ugh. Well. Man. What are we going to do about that?
0: I just, just thought it was important to point out that they don't know who Adam and Eve are. Yep.
1: So it doesn't mean anything to them. So Scrub comes back after getting showered and changed, uh, and he is uh, distraught. He's very emotional.
0: Yeah, he's very upset that his friend is old.
1: Super old man. And it was, it's just like, oh, by the way, Jill, I didn't tell you that time runs differently here. Yep. Uh, So, you know.
0: It's been about 70 years. Apparently he, about 70 he years. estimates. hmm The internet told me that it was 50 years. But this chapter very specifically says 70. Correct. So I'm a little intrigued to see if that changes because my Googling for timeline stuff said 50 years.
1: Weird. When the book says 70, so that's... Yeah. Would go with the book. Except I think Eustace is the one that says this. Yeah,
0: Eustace (laughs) estimates that it's probably been like 70 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like if it, was, I mean, if it was fifty years, that would put Caspian's age at somewhere around like sixty-five, which is hardly like decrepit old man territory. Yeah. So it seems like seventy it, is probably more accurate.
0: Yeah, seventy is probably more <laughs> accurate, but we also have, yeah, I don't know. It's just it is a child estimating time, and children aren't good with time.
1: But Eustace is uh, age. You know, he's he's read all the wrong books though, and so maybe he's read some books about you know. Physics and I don't know. Um, so beyond that, he is really upset, and he talks to Jill about it, and was like, "Yep, Caspian was a good friend of mine. Like we had probably these...
0: the best friend a chap could ever have.
1: Probably, and they had all these adventures, and seeing him like this now, like it's really hurtful. Uh, and there's just all this back and forth, where you know they they there's an, a lot of blame at each other.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of just unnecessary. Arguments, yeah. frustration, anger—like
1: Eustace is like, "Oh, dry up."
0: Yes, he says that like four <laughs> times in this chapter.
1: And Jill's like, "Oh, shut up, Eustace!" Right back to him. There's another one later where Jill's like, "Don't be a perfect beast, scrub."
0: Yeah, they, <sighs> they really do. And he says, "Dry up" to her like four times to try to get her to stop talking. Uh huh. When it's like she says, "Aslan sent me here with instructions." Yeah, and his immediate response to uh, everything about that is just like stop talking.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he, Eustace says get to express his emotions a little bit, and was just like, "Yeah, you tried to murder me," which how that's how he. Interprets and I'm gonna it.
0: keep saying that. He says that. <sighs>
1: yeah.
0: Hold your hair. <sighs> I'm gonna keep saying it. Yeah,
1: which I mean, he's understandably upset. Like, if if you accidentally threw me off a cliff, I'd be pretty upset about you, you know, doing that as well uh, and, and might be a little testy for a few days. Uh Uh-huh. Especially, you know, since he came immediately from that to, well, not immediately, because it's, like, a 12-hour plane ride, but he came (laughs) from that right into, like, this exit ceremony for his dear old friend, who's just basically, like, you know, this is an old friend of mine who's, you know, got a foot in the grave, and that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. So he's had an emotional day, whereas, like, Jill has had a very exciting day and she's been given a task by a lion and she's like out going on this adventure and like all this is new to her and like, so she's in a much more positive place than Eustace is.
0: Aslan also pushed her faster than Eustace. So she arrived like one minute after Eustace did. Yeah. So Eustace, from his perspective, he got pushed off the cliff and then she showed up one minute later Yeah. after he had arrived where he landed, which fr- he should also assume that she fell off the cliff <laughs> or was pushed off the cliff. Possibly. Like there's no other way that he can just figure that she got there mm-hmm. except that she also fell off the cliff. In which point he shouldn't be quite so angry with her. He should be a little more empathetic.
1: Yes, but you're also asking like an 11 year old boy to like think through things rationally.
0: I think he's younger than that. I thought he was like eight or nine. I
1: oh, don't know. I thought I thought in the last book he was like 10, and now there's like 11, 12, or something like that.
0: Okay. Well, whatever.
1: Anywho, so they have this fight back and forth that doesn't really go anywhere. I guess they're gonna keep fighting, but whatever. Castle bell rings and interrupts them, and they go to supper, and we have this luxurious, expansive description of the supper where oh man, there's all kinds of things. There's, there's soups that would make your mouth water, there's pavenders, there's venison, peacock and pies, ice and jellies, fruit and nuts, all manner of wines and fruit drinks. Whoa.
0: What did Eustace think about Is, it?
1: Uh,
0: because this sentence didn't make sense and I want to make sure there wasn't a typo in my book.
1: Well, even Eustace cheered up and admitted that it was something like... <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know.
0: Is that like some British expression that I just don't understand?
1: Entirely possible. We should look that up now. So not getting anything here like even going to a like Cambridge dictionary and looking up the phrase something like only shows it in like the usages that you would normally find it in. Yeah. If, 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 like just comparison. So this is like yeah, an expression. Yes. Like something
0: uh, like what is the question, yeah. Eustace?
1: Me me trying to find this as an expression is not returning anything. So maybe this is like really obscure 50s British slang. That uh, just never made it onto the internet for some reason.
0: Okay.
1: Something like... Anywho, so when the serious eating and drinking was over, a blind poet came forward and regaled them with a the story. And here we have Lewis as the narrator cutting in to advertise his other books.
0: Now, <laughs> please, please confirm for me. What order were these released in?
1: Th- oh, Googler of Googles. I thought you had this information on hand.
0: I uh, usually do. I have a... I had an index card.
1: Yes. so in publication order, they are The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Silver Chair, Horse and His Boy, Magician's Nephew, Last Battle.
0: So he is advertising a book that has not been published yet. Yes. Okay.
1: Just, mm -hmm.
0: Just want to make sure that I was reading that correctly.
1: Yep, the one right after this, where he's just like, if you like this book, just you wait for Horse and His Boy. Which... I don't know it does it does seem really weird to read them that way because like we have lion the witch in the wardrobe obviously then jump to Pris caspian which is like oh hey we're gonna jump into the future you know and see what happened after the pevensies have stopped ruling voyage of the dawn Treader* continues caspian's story yeah. we keep going into the future in silver chair with caspian as an old man and seeing what the end of his reign looked like and then we're like we're going to do a weird prequel and go to a completely different country with new characters and talk about something that happened that was completely unrelated to the Pevensies on the throne. Yep. So.
0: it's vaguely related.
1: Yeah. So, that it, it just seems like a weird jump to make.
0: But it also is the way that he wrote them. Like, that's the jump he made in his head as the author.
1: Yeah. Anyway. But uh, in this line, he does spoil a little bit of the plot of the book, even because mm-hmm. he says the blind po- poet came forward and struck up the grand old tale of prince cor and erebus and the horse Bree. yeah so if you read this book first you go into horse and his boy knowing that uh there's a prince in it it's prince cor so Yep. but they they hear speaking this speaking of
0: which someone recently started following us on instagram and is commenting on old photos as they go through the podcast uh-huh. for the first time what fun And if you ever read the Instagram comments, Uh and if this person was actually, like, commenting these things as they watch, like, going through, Uh like, as release. Yes. They would be spoiling so much stuff for you. (laughs) I was just, like, really glad that they are, like, six months behind on the podcast. Because I was just like, don't comment that. Well, I also that's don't. a spoiler for Chris.
1: Most of the time I don't read the Instagram comments. So. I know, and that's what I'm
0: <laughs> saying. I'm glad that you don't read any of the online stuff because...
1: Not that I don't care, listeners. Kristen just curates these for me.
0: He just <laughs> doesn't want to download Instagram.
1: <laughs> that's true, too. I'm a crotchety old man. Anyway, that should get pulled around by a donkey in my own little personal sled. Yep. <laughs> so they have the feast. They go to bed. And Jill's like, well, at least I think we'll sleep well. Which shows just how little anybody knows about what's going to happen to them next. Oh, what a cliffhanger.
0: Yep, and that is how we end the chapter.
1: Yep. So, anything we didn't talk about in the chapter? Did we cover every, all the important plot points?
0: Yeah, I think I interrupted everything. Uh, the little Easter egg about the horse and his boy. Yep, I think, I've got, I think I've interrupted you multiple times with all of my notes.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, dry up.
0: Oh, dry up. <laughs> you beast.
1: Uh-huh. Why'd you throw me off a cliff?
0: murder <laughs> you tried to, murder, try to me.
1: murder me i mean he's doing a great job of writing like over dramatic children like Miss. Mm-hmm. it does sound a lot like a fight kids would have so can't fault him for that yeah cool so should we go into our rewrites then sure all right what do we do in this segment Kristen?
0: hey you asked me that earlier <laughs> about the intro so. yeah hey what do we do in this segment? Well, in Chris? this
1: segment, we do a creative writing exercise where we pick five more sentences from the chapter and we use them to write an entirely new story. And in really? doing so, sometimes we find out more about what the uh, motifs and themes in the plot are. Sometimes we don't.
0: Motifs and themes and plot.
1: Uh, so since who did our summary? I did my summary first, so yep. you should do your rewrite first, because that's the way we do things.
0: Here is my rewrite. It's far worse than you think. Who's been killed? It's Aslan. The lion says you've got to said Jill despairingly. Who killed him? Caspian the tenth, said the owl.
1: Wow. Wow. Good Thank job. You. Thank you. I like that one. That was done that was done well. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was looking at a couple of those lines, like the who killed him thing, like I was drawing really hard to do something with those. And I didn't get there, but you, you did a Mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite ones that you've done thank you uh-huh cool i mean, Very straightforward.
0: the one thing that i don't like about it is that it requires knowledge of who the characters are as the books present them yeah like that's the only thing i don't like about it is that it doesn't actually like flesh out
1: i mean there's only so much you can do with five sentences so yes
0: that's true
1: uh so i can go ahead and do mine now mine i'll admit is not great um but I, I it, it's less of a rewrite and more of a reframing of, of what's in the chapter already.
0: Okay. That's what I was but here we... running the <laughs> risk of doing myself. So I just was like, nope, we're killing Aslan. <laughs> wow.
1: Here we go. Um. Here's mine. I was only here about a minute before you said Scrub. I didn't tell you that this world has a different time from ours. And I came back to find Caspian an old, old man. I can't bear it, said Scrub. It's worse than coming back and finding him dead.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. You really, you really sat with Eustace, didn't you, on this I did. one?
1: As a... Anyway, so I was just trying to reframe this whole friendship thing and, uh, you know, maybe have this a story about them going into Narnia together or something. Yeah. But... There you go. There's mine. All so right. we have done our rewrites, shall we move on to our last segment.
0: Absolutely. So in our last segment we call this baseless speculation, and Chris, who has never read the book before yep. and has minimal spoilage for what's actually gonna happen.
1: Yep. I this one As far one in, as
0: I know, no spoilers for this one so far.
1: Yep. This one and Horse and His Boy were ones that I knew absolutely nothing about going in. Alright, there you go.
0: Um so this is the point where Chris takes what he's read so far in the book, what he knows about the world of Narnia, and what he wants about the world of Narnia, and he baselessly speculates about what's going to happen in the future of this book. So, Chris, take it away with your baseless speculation.
1: Uh, all right. For a first, I have to address that we have confirmed that they came into the world in Aslan's country.
0: Well, they but at least came confirmed. in beyond the sea. So yes, yes absolutely.
1: So we we confirm that in this chapter. Huzzah. Um, so still going with my Narnia as a Crater Theory, but whatever, we'll move on from that.
0: Nathan really liked that. Also, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna take this moment since you brought it up to read you an email that I didn't send you.
1: Ooh, a listener email.
0: Yes. It's titled Chris Crater Theory. That's the subject. Uh-huh. I submit that this excellent theory should be label- labeled hashtag Narnia pocked and bruised.
1: Sure, let's do it.
0: Also, please explain to Chris that the first class section of an airplane does not fly on a faster plane.
1: Though, very technically, it does arrive before the coach section does.
0: (laughs) Very technically. Uh
1: And they leave the plane. So, like, the people in first class do get to their destination marginally faster. Mm -hmm. Because they they exit first. Okay. But whatever. Um, (laughs) Don't argue with me.
0: (laughs) Tell Nathan.
1: Yeah. Um, So, anywho what what's what's gonna happen here yeah so we've established Tell me more tim- about the fawn what's gosh the the fawn's its own thing like we've established timelines so we're 70 years in the future trumpkin's regent again because you know caspian's mm. taken off uh, by himself toward the uh, you know the seven isles and beyond to die presumably so the questions are here what happened to his son because like apparently has one son and like he's real sad because he lost his one heir to the throne yep has one kid why can't we mention that to trumpkin yeah and and what happened to caspian's nameless wife
0: yeah
1: like ramandu's daughter who came back with him married him presumably mother of this of the prince yeah where's she at uh did she die? Do do children of stars even have mortality in a normal sense? Like, could she have died of old age or something previously? Was she killed? You know, was... Did
0: Trumpkin murder her and the owl knows something.
1: Was, was the prince cursed because it was Caspian as a human, you know, conceiving with a non-human star-born person? Like... Who knows? Are they not supposed to propagate with the mortal races? And, like, that's why the boy is cursed in the first place, is that he was. Was uh, he cursed? Well, it does. Uh, I believe Aslan says he's under some kind of curse. Oh. All okay. right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But what's Trumpkin got to do with it? So that's my question. Um, I'm going to posit that I think has, Trumpkin has something to do with why the boy's missing in the first place. Okay. Okay. Uh, and being the advisor to the king and, like, the part-time regent and, you know, one of Caspian's closest courtiers. I think maybe... I really want a name for her. Ramondu's daughter in Caspian. Yeah. I bet we don't ever get a name for her in this book either. Uh, but I bet they conceive a child of some unholy union that they weren't supposed to have. I don't know, I don't know if Aslan was okay with this or not. But, like, child comes out cursed, or maybe he's, like, some half-human, half-star hybrid creature of some kind. And Trumpkin's just like, you know what? That's gonna be trouble. Like, he's gonna have, you know, some sort of magical abilities, and he's gonna be tempted to do whatever or depose you, and what you need to do is exile him. You need to get him out of the kingdom. And, you know, in a twist of fate, Trumpkin basically ends up turning Caspian into something more along the lines of Moraz.
0: Hmm.
1: Where Caspian gets afraid of his own son deposing him and taking over and ruling <laughs> things, so exiles him outside the kingdom. Yeah. Oh. And then and then in his later years ends up regretting this terribly. And is basically being like, Oh, I sent my son off to die, like I shouldn't have done this, and that's why he's leaving to, you know, go retire out in the West because he can't bear it anymore. Yeah. East. So I think that's why we're not allowed um, to East. in the East, yes. That's why we're not allowed to mention it around Trumpkin because Trumpkin's the one who convinced him to uh get rid of the kid in the first place.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also in the uh movie, they named her. Because well, she did, needed a name in the movie.
1: They did something right. What's her name in the movie?
0: Lillian Dill.
1: Okay. That's a very like Tolkien esque elf name.
0: L I L L I a N D I L.
1: Yeah, I can see that coming straight out of Lord of the Rings. Yep, Lily am I'm actually sure that's a character in the Simurghian somewhere. <laughs> Positive. And then, of course, the other line of uh, reasoning and speculation to go into here is, what about Ernest? Like, what about him? He he is the one that has the ear of the, uh, the regent. Maybe this is actually like his plot the entire time. Like maybe the you know, the the layers of this onion peel back a step further. And it was Trumpkin's influence, and Trumpkin had a hand in this, but only because, like, it was whispered in his ear to, you know, by Ernest. And for whatever reason, the Order of the Fawn just couldn't have this human-star hybrid in the kingdom because that would just ruin all their plans for the future of Narnia. So, could be, could be anything. Also, title of the next chapter, Parliament of Owls. Like, there's more owls. What are the owls up to?
0: Why are the owls trying to keep Trumpkin out of
1: the loop? Exactly. Like maybe maybe what maybe it's do the, the owls. owls
0: have the keys.
1: Yeah. And owls are owls are a thing in literature. Yep. And not like there's obviously like the wise old owl trope. Uh, and I don't want to say owls are often presented as tricksters, but owls are often presented as I don't know agents of chaos or agent like portents of change Hmm. or not like entities that are very neutral and not necessarily good or evil so you don't really know what their motivations are as you know very mysterious like whatevers yeah (laughs) mysterious whatevers that's what owls are
0: you're making me more and more happy that I've decided to symbolize my mother in an art piece with an owl
1: (laughs) she's a mysterious whatever yep let her know that. I'll put it in her next birthday card. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what are the owls doing? Like, we, we end the chapter basically saying, yeah, Jill and Eustace aren't going to have a good night of sleep, and then we go right into Parliament of Owls. Chapter So four, yeah. do the owls, like, rouse them in the middle of the night when they're fully alert and, like...
0: Have to plan how they're going to talk to Trumpkin in yeah. the morning?
1: And they're like, oh, hey, here's the actual reason that uh, Caspian's kid is out of the picture i don't know it could go so many different directions it could but uh i think i i think i picked a direction and we'll run with that and say that it's actually caspian's fault via way of trumpkin okay and uh via
0: way of tumness
1: and they're gonna yeah (laughs) and they're it all comes back to tumness but trumpkin's gonna hear about this whole plot and just have to be convinced and be like he's just gonna be like nope nope we're not bringing that kid back can't do it and uh Maybe maybe he ends up being the bad guy. Maybe Trump turns into an antagonist in this book. Hmm. So we'll see. That's my baseless speculation.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you, listeners, for joining us as we discuss Chapter 3 of The Silver Chair. Next week, we will be discussing Chapter 4. A parliament of owls, as Chris mentioned.
1: I just realized it didn't. It did not mention that Trumpkin's chair is silver, so that is not the silver chair. It
0: didn't mention it. <laughs> it mentioned that the king's uh, male uh, shirt under his red robes was, in fact, silver, though. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you so much for joining us. In between now and next week, if you are interested in interacting with us, you can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can send us an email with your fan art of you know the donkey.
1: Your fat little donkey.
0: Fat little fat little donkey. Hey. <laughs> fat little donkey. Um at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Also, there was a reference to a musical instrument that was called a serpent.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't look that up. I'm not sure Seeing what that is. Seeing as
0: there's a snake on the cover of your book, I thought that that was interesting. Hmm, that is fascinating in
1: this Trump going to have a cursed ear trumpet that's going to turn into a snake?
0: Or is that an, a further sign that the fawn is, in fact, a snake?
1: Hmm.
0: Whispering in the ears of the
1: yeah. regent. Or it, or is the item itself like under some sort of magic spell and what Trumpkin is hearing through it isn't actually what's being said? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly.
0: All right, so <laughs> with all of that said, you can also give us money at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast if you want to do that because you're cool like that.
1: Also, speaking of... Also,
0: Chris has another idea of something that we're probably going to do.
1: Speaking of which, we have another idea. Eventually, we'll do one of these Patreon ideas, like, uh, you know, after we finish this series. But I have an idea for our Patreon, uh, which is a bit different and unrelated to Narnia. And 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 also the Hobbit. Yes, also the Hobbit. (laughs) That we could do um, some sort of structured world building. And we could do a little, like... Play as we go world building podcast where we create a world to do something with, like write either write a story or play a, a tabletop game in or something like that, uh, which I think would be really fun. I discovered that I'm really into this idea of this uh, world building game called The Quiet Year uh, that I think sounds really fun to be able to go through and just do something like that that's structured and at the end of it we have a thing. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts on that, let us know.
0: Alrighty. If that's something you want to pay for. Yep. (laughs) To listen to us world-built. Uh-huh. And maybe participate on your own as well. Thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, if an owl tells you not to tell the regent something, keep your mouth shut.
1: And don't strap your donkey to a chair.
0: (laughs) Bye. I have information you need right now. No, you don't. I'm just going to yell at you.
1: Actually, trying to say sentences in a somewhat coherent way.
0: No, Um, that's not what we do on this podcast. I have a uh, flashcard. I have a... What are the note cards called?
1: Flashcards. Note cards. Index cards? Index.
0: Chapter three of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yeah, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Oh, I didn't write down his name.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were ready. I thought I was ready. You, in fact, weren't ready. Cor and, uh, what's her name?
0: Erebus. There's a new leaf! Here! Yep. There's so many leaves! And for our summaries, we read ad have So what's our rewrite? Just told you. Are you
1: sure? <laughs> I don't think you were listening. All
0: right.
1: Is that a gold crested titmouse? Let me let me get my notes out. And is makes that you. A bird? Maybe I think it is. Um, Why does it have mouse in the name? I think titmouse is a type of bird. I think, but um, here I'll pause to show you one. There we go. These are titmice. Hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Okay,
1: I just said it was a fu- it was a funny name, but anyway,
0: yeah. no 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 I, I I get that I just didn't expect it to be a real one mm
1: hmm